0: can't count that far. Go to the songs run out and you're there. 572. Let's all stand tonight. He keeps me singing. There's within my heart a melody. Jesus whispers sweet and low.
1: Fear not I am
0: with thee. Peace be still. In all of life's wrecked by sin and strife. discord filled my heart with pain jesus swept across the broken strings start the slumbering chords again
1: It's good to see everyone tonight take a few moments and get out of your seat shake hands and make each other feel welcome tonight and good to see everyone out tonight. We want to go to the Lord in prayer and ask the Lord to bless the services here and and the teenagers in the back and the uh, junior hires of one and all these things going on. We want to remember all these things. Ask the Lord to bless. And then we want to ask the Lord to bless our pastor. He's in Lexington, North Carolina. I believe they got about six inches of snow where he is and makes me kind of homesick. I'd kind of like to be in about six inches of snow. Of course, I grew up in West Virginia. I love it. I love it. I'd love to see it. But anyway, let's pray for him. He's in a meeting. I think he concludes the meeting tonight. So let's pray for him as he preaches the word of God tonight and again also for the services here. And I'll ask Brother Roy Phipps, if you don't mind, if you'd lead us in prayer. Amen. Remain standing. We'll continue to sing. It's
0: 322. I just keep trusting my Lord. 322. I just keep trusting.
1: amen we'll ask the ushers to come at this time we'll take up the regular wednesday evening offering as you know everything taken up on wednesday night we used to uh sponsor and pay for our bible conference in the fall and so you be faithful to this such a blessing it is for our church to be able to minister to the, the men of god uh, the preachers on the uh, really all over the united states just about and they come in here and, and are fed for the week and what a blessing it is to be able to minister to these men and so this is what we use our offerings for on wednesday night so you be faithful in your giving and i know the lord will bless you for it. let's go to the lord in prayer father we do again come before you and we thank you for the privilege to be able to serve you and thank you for the privilege just to be children of god and what a what a marvelous privilege that is thank you for loving us so much that you would send your son to die for us and we ask that you will just bless this offering now i pray that you'll just bless it and use it for the furtherment of your kingdom and we'll thank you and we'll praise you in jesus name amen
2: Rick just asked me when I came in if I would sing tonight. And uh, I said, well, I really don't know what to sing. But this song has really been so dear to me since Mother went to the Lord. And there's just been a peace in my heart through the whole thing. And uh, I know where she's at. And I know she's not in pain anymore. And I know I'll see her again. And this song just has wonderful peace. And there's just been such a peace in my heart. Through this whole thing, and I trust that you'll pray for me. Far away in the depths of my spirit tonight flows a
1: Praise the Lord for that peace He does give, don't you? Praise the Lord for that. Well, if you will, take your Bibles and find the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28, and I want to read about three verses from there, and then also find Romans chapter 9. I want to read several verses out of Romans 9 and also one out of Romans 10 that I don't have on the board, but I'll read that one as well. But Matthew chapter 28 and then Romans chapter 9. And after you find your place, if you would stand to your feet, out of respect for the public reading of the Word of God, and we'll read a few verses from the Word of God here this evening. And tonight, what I'd like to do is to bring bring to you a message that I would would entitle, A Passion for the Lost, A Passion for the Lost. Matthew chapter 28, you're very, very familiar with these verses. In fact, many of you, if not most of you, could quote these verses. But I want to read Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And then we'll skip over to Romans 9. But the Bible says in Matthew 28, verse 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now find Romans chapter number 9. Romans chapter number 9, I'd like to read the first three verses of Romans 9. We'll also read chapter 10, verse 1. Romans 9, beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also beareth uh, me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. And then look at chapter 10, verse number 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. You may be seated, and let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, we do thank you so much for the peace that you do give and Thank you that for your presence that is constantly in our lives and for the promise of your word that you will never leave us and you will never forsake us. And we're so thankful for that. Father, right now we just come before you and you, we ask that you will just help us as we look into your word. Lord, help us to understand a little bit better your word and, and your desire for us to go out and to tell others about you. And, and may our love for you as our pastor was sharing this past Sunday, may our love for you be so great that we would do what you've called us to do. And may it be demonstrated by the way that we live our lives. May it be demonstrated by the way that we have passion and compassion and care for the lost. Lord, I pray that you'll just help us now as we preach this message. Lord, I pray that you'll just use me. Lord, I pray that you'll help me to get out of the way. And Lord, I pray that you'll just preach through me what you would have to be said. And Father in heaven, we'll thank you and we'll praise you for all things that you'll do. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 and 20, very familiar to all of us. As I said, most of you could probably quote it. You've memorized it at some point in your life. And we know it. We have called it the Great Commission. The Great Commission gives us as believers, it tells us in very plain words, it tells us and it gives us our marching orders as believers. Jesus was very clear that this, this commission, this particular commission, is, was to be our priority and is to be our priority in life. This is what the Lord Jesus said, that, I want, that He said, I want you to spend your time, I want you to spend your efforts, and I want you to spend your energy doing this until I come. Now, Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20, in verse 18, we find that His power equips us to go. His power equips us to go. He says, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. His power equips us to go. And in verse 19, we find that His plan encourages us to go. He tells us exactly what he wants us to do. He gives us a step-by-step plan of what he wants us to do. He wants us to win others to himself. He wants us to win people to the Lord. And then he wants us to get them baptized. That is, get them identified. That is, identification with Christ. And that is assimilating them into the local church. So we are to lead them to Christ. We are to baptize them, get them in the church. And then we are to help them grow. We are to help them to mature them. So you could say... Uh, The plan that He gave us is to make disciples, to mark disciples, and to mature disciples. That is His plan that encourages, encourages us to go in verse 19. And then in verse number 20, His presence enables us to go. He tells us again at the end, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Now the great military leader, General George Patton, every time just before he would go into a major battle... Well, He would gather all of his troops together and he would ask them a very important question. He'd get them all into a room and, he'd, and he would ask them this one question. He would say, men, what is your mission? What is your mission? Because he knew that the, that, that was the single most important piece of information every soldier had to know if, they were going, if victory was going to be won. Well, I would say that our general, the Lord Jesus Christ, has left no doubt as to what the mission of his army, the church, is to be doing. You see, on this particular day in Matthew 28, he was standing on a mountain overlooking the Sea of Galilee, and he told us exactly what he wanted us to do. He gave us his orders clean, clear, and concise. But here's the problem. Most, I would say, if not many, of God's children and many of the churches are not doing a very good job at fulfilling that commission. The marching orders, this is what we're supposed to do. This is what he wants us to do. Most churches and most Christians are not doing a very good job at accomplishing that great commission. We have better programs today. We have better training tools than than at any other time in the history of the church, yet we are doing less with them. I feel that the issue is not a failure of programs. I feel that the issue is a failure of passion. I think if most of us would be honest, myself included, if, most, if we were honest, we would have to admit that our passion for the lost is not what it ought to be. Our passion for the lost is not what it ought to be. I was reading a book and the author was talking about, the author of the particular book, he was talking about uh, some, uh, the last days of his father's life. His father had been uh, diagnosed with a terminal illness. He had several months to live and he said, as you could probably imagine, that those last few months he treasured every moment he was able to spend with his dad. Every conversation that he had with his dad meant a great deal to him. And he said one day he and his dad were driving down the road, and his father looked up and he noticed where he was, and he said, son, pull over right here, right at this very spot. Pull over right there. So the son, he pulled the car over, and his father began to tell him about how some 60 years earlier, his father, that man was driving down the road, and such a feeling of conviction, such a feel, Holy Spirit came upon him and convicted him and made him realize that he was lost, made him realize that he needed to be saved. And that father told his son, 60 years ago, I pulled my car over at this very spot and I was under such conviction that all I could do was cry out to God and ask him to forgive me of my sins and ask him to be my Savior. And he was saved at that very spot. Well, the father, he went on to tell the story and he said, and I went home and I found out later that at the very moment I pulled my car over, at the very moment that I stopped my car at that spot, I learned at that very precise moment, my mom and dad, some church leaders and some church members had gathered together in a special prayer meeting just to pray for my salvation. And at that very moment, the Holy Spirit came upon me and I knew I was lost and I knew I was going to a devil's hell and I just had to get saved. Now I would say to you that that mom and that dad those church leaders and those church members that met for that express purpose of praying for that man's salvation, they had a sincere burden. They had a special burden and a deep passion for the lost condition of their loved one. Well, I want to talk to you tonight about having a passion for the lost. I want to read to you again there in Romans. I want to read Romans chapter 9. Let me read verse number 3 again. And I want you to really understand what Paul is saying here. He said, "...for I could wish..." that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. Now did you get what Paul was saying there? Paul is literally saying his passion for his kinsmen, his brothers and sisters, his passion for their lost condition was so great that he said that he would be willing to forego his own salvation if it meant that they could be saved. Wow. Paul said that he would be willing to go to hell himself if it meant that his brothers and sisters would get saved. What a passion for the lost. What a passion for the lost. Well, I want to share with you just four simple statements here this evening, four simple statements that if you and I will really grab hold of these things, if we will really comprehend these things, I believe it will give us a greater passion for the lost. Just four simple statements I want to share with you tonight. And then we'll pray and go home. But the first statement is this. Number one, we must understand the condition of the lost. We must understand the condition of the lost. You see, until the day that we have the deep conviction about the plight of a lost person, we will never be motivated to tell that person about Christ. You see, until we get it in our mind that salvation is not something that makes life nicer. Salvation is not something that makes suffering more tolerable. Salvation is not something that makes an individual a better person. We must come to the understanding and realization that people without Christ are lost, that hell is their eternal destiny, and that Christ alone is the only answer. When we come to the realization that very possibly your next-door neighbor My next-door neighbor, if he doesn't know Christ, if she doesn't know Christ, that person you work with, if they don't know Christ, they may never see another sunrise again. They may this very evening, they may find themselves going out into an eternity without Jesus Christ into hell forever and ever and ever. We must understand the condition of the lost. You see, when life is at stake... People act. People respond instinctively to a crisis situation. For example, Eddie is here tonight. I think about a fireman will hurl himself into a burning building to rescue a a frightened child. A mother will dart out in front of oncoming, on-rushing traffic to save a stray child that isn't even her own. An average swimmer will dive into a, a rushing stream to save a drowning person. What is it that prompts these people to such heroic acts? What is it that would cause a fireman to go in to a, uh, to a burning building and cause somebody that can barely swim to jump into a stream to say, "What causes somebody to do that?" It is this: It is the sure knowledge of the consequences if they don't attempt the rescue. That fireman, that mother, that average swimmer, he realizes the situation. He and she realizes, and he looks at that other person, and he realizes that the situation is hopeless. And he and she realizes that if he doesn't act, if they don't do something, then it's all over. Then it's hopeless. Death, he looks at that other person, and they know that they are staring death right in the face. And that knowledge alone, and knowing the consequences if they don't act, drives that person to make the rescue a clear understanding of the condition of the lost will drive the church, will drive the Christian out of the building and into the marketplace. You see, nowhere... the Dead men don't walk. Nowhere in the Bible does it teach that a lost person needs to come to church to hear the gospel. Nowhere in the Bible does it teach that a lost person should seek after God. The Great Commission is not for the lost to come and see. The Great Commission is for the saved to go and tell. Now... This is about, You think about this, but put a face on someone. What a, The condition of the lost. Think of a name. Think of a face. I think of my brother-in-law. I have an older sister. She was married a number of years ago, and he is lost. And I've read Luke chapter 16. Have you read Luke 16 late, uh, lately? The Word of God, the Holy Spirit, allows us to pull back the curtains of hell. And to catch a glimpse of what hell is like. And I think about my brother-in-law. If he were to die tonight, there would be no hope. If he were to die tonight, he would spend eternity, eternal damnation, eternal suffering, eternal separation from God. Put a face on it. If we ever, if we come to the understanding of the condition of the lost, it will change the way we. Live. Your next door neighbor, that person that you work with that doesn't know the Lord, they're standing in a burning building and they don't even realize it. They are literally, literally, they are just one breath away from hell. One breath. If we will understand the condition of the lost, it will change the way we act and it will change the way we live. But let's go on to the second statement. Number one, we must understand the condition of the lost. That will help you get a passion for the lost. Number two, we must believe the fields are ripe for harvest. We must believe that the fields are ripe for harvest. You know, I've heard so many excuses from churches. I've listened to them talk and talked to different people, go to school with a bunch of guys and talk to whatever. I've heard a lot of excuses why churches give as to why they're uh, baptism numbers and why their attendance numbers are going down. I've heard them say things like the quality of the soil, referring to the people, the quality of the soil around our church is it's just not that good. And I've heard them say that ah, the people in our neighborhood, they're just not responsive. And I've heard them give the excuse that there's so many other churches in the area that has just depleted the harvest around. Well, I don't, I don't go along with that at all. I don't believe that. I've... I was taking a class a couple of weeks ago and had to read a lot of books, and I'm still working on them. But I was, re- I was reading one of the books. And it was just telling about different men, how they gone out into seemingly impossible situations. Fields that looked like that, if you looked at it, you thought there is no way anybody's going to grow a church. There is no way that you're going to find anybody that needs to hear about Christ in that particular area. I heard about a man by the name of Stan Fry. He was on his way to Conover, North Carolina. He didn't even realize, he didn't even pay any attention to the fact that the area was so overpopulated with churches that it would seem impossible to find anybody who hadn't heard about Christ. But when he went to his church, there was 40 40 members in his church, and in just four years' time, they were running 1,000 people in in an area that was already well overpopulated with churches. And I would say you'd probably agree that Chattanooga has its fair share of churches, but I would say to you that the fields are ripe. There are people out there that need to hear the gospel. There are people out there that want to hear the gospel, if we will just tell them. I heard about another fellow, read about another fellow. His name was Chris Stevens. He just graduated from seminary, and he went to a real small town, a little country church, in Jennings, Louisiana, a place where everybody said, don't go to Jennings, Louisiana. You can't grow a church in Jennings, Louisiana. And the reason why they said that, Jennings, Louisiana has 11,000 people in it. Chattanooga has three, about 300,000 people in it, but Jennings, Louisiana, 11,000 people. And of those 11,000 people, 90% of them were professing Catholics. And he felt God's call to go to Jennings, Louisiana. Well, he took his church. When he took his church, he was averaging 25 in Sunday school. But in three years' time, he was averaging over 300 in Sunday school, and he was leading his denomination in baptisms. I read about several other people, but I'll not continue. But I would say to you that the fields are ripe unto harvest. There are people in Chattanooga that have not heard the gospel. In fact, think about Brother Larry. Just the other night, he got up in our leaders meeting and he was talking about in our Operation Andrew, knocking on the doors of this neighborhood, talked to a young man and he had never heard the name Jesus Christ except for possibly in a swear word. Never even heard the name. The fields are ripe. There are people out there that need to hear the gospel. There are people in this neighborhood that need to hear the gospel. There are people that you work with. There are people maybe that you live right next door to. The fields are ripe for harvest. You don't believe me? A Gallup poll found uh, several statistics that I thought were very interesting. A Gallup poll found that 58% of Americans that are not in church indicated that they probably in one day do want to go back to church. 63% believed that the Word of God was the literal, that the Bible was the literal or inspired Word of God. And 77% of those that were surveyed did pray at least occasionally. Now, what this tells me is that if if our churches, if we would be effective in planting the seed of the gospel, God would, we would experience a bountiful harvest. And I would say that the problem is not that there's so many churches, it's the problem is that. It's not that the people are unresponsive. Those are, these things are not the problems because Jesus himself said the, the, that the harvest is truly plenteous. The problem is the laborers are few. We must come to the understanding. We must believe that the fields are ripe for harvest. But let's move on to the third statement. Number one, we must understand the condition of the lost. Number two, we must believe that the fields are ripe for harvest. Number three, we're talking about having a passion for the lost. Number three, we must obey and accept ownership of the Great Commission. We must obey and accept ownership of the Great Commission. Now, there's two parts to that statement. Number one, it talks about obedience. Obedience to the Great Commission. The Great Commission, now this is not going to come to a great surprise to most of you, but the Great Commission is not a divine suggestion. It's not a suggestion that God gave that He said, if you have time... Try to work this into your schedule. It is not a divine suggestion. Now, you would think here, you think, well, that kind of goes without saying. But a recent survey showed that the opposite was true. Somebody did a survey of two groups of people separately. Had a group of pastors over here and a group of church members over here. And he asked the same question to both groups, but separately. He went to the pastors and he said, pastors, what is the primary concern of the church? What is, the church, what is the primary concern of the church? Nine out of ten pastors said that reaching the unsaved and the unchurched was the primary concern of the church. And I would say they are exactly right, except for that one guy. I don't know what he was thinking. But they said nine out of ten said the primary concern of the church was to reach the unsaved and reach the unchurched. However, they asked the same question to, church, to the church members. Eight out of ten church members felt that the primary concern of the church was was to meet the needs of the church members. Only two out of ten church members felt that the primary concern of the church was to reach the lost. Someone once cleverly wrote the following letter from Jesus and the response from the church. I think it illustrates the point, what I'm trying to get across to you. But let me read to you these two letters. This one's from Jesus to the church. He writes, Dear Christians, I have been given all power and authority in heaven and earth, Go then to all people and make them my disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them to observe, obey, and respect everything that I have commanded you. And I will be with you always, even unto the end of the age, with all my love, Jesus Christ. Well, this is the way the church board responded to Jesus' letter. Dear Jesus, our Lord, we hereby acknowledge receipt of your memorandum. The proposal was very interesting and we feel that we should probably undertake this project, not immediately of course, but as soon as it may seem feasible. Due to the shortage of personal and several other financial and personal uh, personnel and several other financial and personal obligations, we do not feel that we could give it proper emphasis at this time. A committee, however, has been appointed to study the plan and we should have a report in a few months. In the meantime, we are honored to know that you have considered us for this task, and we appreciate your offer to serve as our resource person should we choose to undertake this project. You may rest assured that it will be given careful consideration by our committee, and we hope to have an answer at our earliest convenience, your obedient servants, the church. Well, I don't know of many churches that would actually verbalize it that way, and they certainly wouldn't write that on paper, but there are many, many churches, and unfortunately many, many Christians, that that is exactly how they live their lives. We are to obey the Great Commission. It is not a suggestion. It is obedience commanded and demanded of every single one of us that are Christians. But not only are we to obey the Great Commission, but it talks about we are to accept ownership in the Great Commission. To accept ownership. Now let me see if I can try to illustrate this the best that I can. I read about a preacher who had, he traveled a lot and different things, and he, he was working in his backyard, and he, he, he built a couple of, uh, of water gardens in his backyard, and he was just about to go away to a meeting. He, he threw them together the best he could, and he put some water in them, and then he had to go off and preach. While he was away preaching, he called back home, and he's talking to his wife. He had a wife and three daughters at home, and one of the girls got on the phone, and, and she said, Daddy, can, I, can we go out and buy some fish and put them in these ponds that you put together in the back? Can we, can we do that well, the dad, he, the pastor, he, he knew that the, the, the ponds hadn't been uh, sufficiently cured or whatever needs to be done. He knew that fish wouldn't be able to live in them, but he, you know, he felt kind of bad because he was away from them. So he said, Yeah, go ahead and buy you some fish, but don't buy any expensive fish. And he didn't say it, but he knew in his mind that they weren't going to live, but he, you know, he felt bad. So, yeah, go ahead. Well, he got home and he found out that they had bought five very expensive, decorative Japanese fish to put in these gardens. Five of them, one for each member of the family. And each one of them had a name that went along with a member of the family. One for dad, one for mom, one for each of the three girls. Well, by the next evening, the father, he went out and he noticed the inevitable came true. One of them was dead. So he had to go and he had to break the news to his daughters. One of the fish had died. Well, all three of them voiced in stereo said, whose fish died? And he responded, he told him. he said, well, it was, it was my fish. And all three of them breathed a, a deep sigh of relief because their fish was still alive. Well, over the next 24, 48 hours, all five of the fish, the rest of the four fish, they all died just one at a time. And the last fish to die belonged to his youngest daughter. And he had to break the news to his youngest daughter that her fish had died. And he went to his daughter and said, honey, I... I'm sorry, your, your fish, it, it didn't make it. it. It died just a little bit ago. And she was totally devastated that her fish had died. Now, what made it so, so sadding for her was it was her fish. It didn't bother her when dad's fish died. It didn't bother her when mom's fish died or her sister's fish. But when her fish died, it caused tremendous sorrow of her heart because it was her fish. It was ownership. You remember the story of Jonah? I like to read the book of Jonah. You remember Jonah, he, God called him to go to Nineveh. Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh, and he didn't go to Nineveh to start with. He ran the other direction, but God got a hold of him. Reluctantly, Jonah goes to Nineveh. He goes and he preaches to Nineveh, and you know what happened. A great harvest of souls was reaped. Many people turned turned their lives and got their lives straight, turned their lives over back over to the Lord. Well, you would expect Jonah to be all excited about this, but he wasn't. Jonah was up on the hill, and Jonah was mad. He wanted to see the fireworks. He was very upset because God didn't do what he said he was going to do to these people, but they had repented. And then he got even more mad because of this plant that had grown up overnight was his shade, and it died. And then he was really hot. I can't believe this, that he was really hot. And God came to Jonah, you remember? God went to Jonah, and he said, Jonah, do you have good reason to be mad? And Jonah said, Yes, I got good reason to be mad. Even unto death is what he said. And God said, Jonah, you had compassion on this plant for which you did not work, for which you, you did not cause it to grow. It, 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 it uh, grew up overnight and it died overnight. Jonah, and you had great compassion on this plant. And you didn't do anything to get it or to, or to keep it. You had great compassion on it. And God said, Jonah, should I not have had compassion on the Ninevites? Should I not have had compassion on them. The idea, this is what I'm trying to get to you, we have to take ownership in the Great Commission. Each one of us has a circle of influence. Each one of you here tonight, you have, a, you have people that you influence. People that you know that I don't know. People that you know that the person across the aisle from you does not know. Your neighbors, your co-workers, and some of them are lost. And it may very well be, Think about this. It may very well be that God has placed that person next to you, and if I could say it this way, you own them. You own them. And what I mean by that is this. God may have placed that person in your care, and if you don't reach them, they won't be reached. Think about that for a second. There might be somebody that you know that God has placed next to you, and if you don't reach them, if you don't tell them, they're never going to know. I firmly believe with all of my heart that we as believers, that God sometimes puts us together in some kind of relationship, maybe in a neighborhood, maybe at the same office. He puts us together as a divine appointment. And it is God has placed that person in that relationship with you so that you could tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ, so that you could reach them for Christ. Ownership. It is left up to me, and it is left up to you. And if we don't tell them, they may never know. We must must obey and accept ownership in the Great Commission. It It is applied to every one of us. I could walk around this room, point at every single one of you. It is yours. It is your commission. It is your commission. God wants you to do this. God has people in your life for you to reach. God has people in your life for you to reach. We must accept ownership. The Great Commission is my commission. I've got to reach those that God puts me in contact with. We must obey and accept ownership of the Great Commission. But the fourth statement, and we'll move on. Number one, we must understand the condition of the loss. Number two, we must believe the fields are ripe for harvest. Number three, we must obey and accept ownership of the Great Commission. And then number four, we must realize that God supplies the power and gives the results. We must realize that God supplies the power and He gives the results. One of the greatest things for me to keep in mind when I go out to witness, when I go to talk to somebody about Christ, is that the Holy Spirit empowers us to do what He's called us to do, to do what He wants us to do. Acts 1.8, it says, But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. You shall receive power. What did Jesus say in the Great Commission? He said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Then he tells us what he wants us to do, and he says, And I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. I hear people talk about witness and talking about telling other people about Christ. And they say, you know, I don't, I don't do it. It just doesn't come naturally to me, you know? It just doesn't come naturally. Well, my response would be, it isn't natural. It's supernatural. And when the Holy Spirit indwells you, you are empowered to do the supernatural. That's what the whole, one of the things that the Holy Spirit is in you to do, to live through you and to do what you can't do for yourself and to do through you and accomplish the mission that God has called you to do. But not only, not only does the Holy Spirit empower us to go out, but it, it is God that gives the results. It is God that gives the results. It is encouraged to me. And we've seen it Those Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, where Paul says, I planted, Paulus watered, but God gave the increase. The bottom line is if you and I will be obedient to spread the gospel, God will give an increase. My prayer, I'm just sharing with you some things tonight and there's nothing clever about this message and nothing fancy about this message and the the points are not the kind of thing that you're used to to getting and I'm used to giving. But I just wanted wanted to share with you tonight, really honestly, what the Holy Spirit's been dealing with my life about. As I said at the very beginning, I jump right in there with anybody and say, I admit, my passion for the lost has not been what it should be. But if we will get it in our mind, the condition of the lost, it will change our life. I pray that God give me a passion for the lost. My prayer is that God would give you a passion for the lost. Oh, that God would give our church a passion for the lost in our community. I don't want anybody to go to anybody that God has placed in my care. I don't want anybody that God has placed in my care to go to hell. I don't know about you, but I don't want to stand before God, stand before my Savior one day and look down at my hands and see the blood of one of my next-door neighbors and find out that if I would have just invited them, if I would have just told them, they would have come. I don't want that to happen. Do you? May God give us a passion for the lost. Let's pray. As Mary Jo comes and gets in her place to play and you may want, I, I don't know how the Lord spoke to you or whatever but you may want to come tonight and just confess like I had to do it last night. I had to get down on my knees and, and I was weeping for the Lord and I said, God, I don't know if there's another person in Temple Baptist Church that needs this message any more than I do but you may want to come tonight and you may just want to gather around this altar and you may want to ask the Lord to give you a passion for the lost. You may have to confess just like I did. God, I don't. I don't have a passion like you want me to have. And, and I don't share Christ like I should. I don't tell people like I should. You may want to come and and you may want to talk it over with the Lord. And it, and if you do, then you're, you're welcome to come. Please come. But let's, let's go to the Lord. And Father, we do thank you for, for your word and thank you for the message that we do have. I thank you, dear God, that there was a day when somebody shared that message with me. And I thank you for the day that you, you showed me that I was lost and you showed me that I was on my way to a devil's hell. But you showed me that I didn't have to go there. There was a way, there was a plan that you had already worked to make it possible for me to go to heaven, for me to have Christ as my Savior. Lord, I thank you for that. And Lord, I pray for, for myself, I pray for every person here. Lord, would you just speak to our hearts. Lord, burden our hearts for the loss of this neighborhood, of, of our neighborhoods at home where we live, and the people that we work with. Lord, give us a burden for the lost. Lord, give us a passion for the lost. Lord, we'll thank you and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I ask for every head, continue with your heads to be bowed. I ask Brother Rick or whoever to lead us in a song, if he would. And if there's anybody that wants to come, uh, you come, and you just be faithful to what the Lord called you to do as they began to play. The Lord's spoken to your heart. You come, and make your way around, uh, around this altar.
0: Search okay. me, oh God.
1: May God search your heart right now. Do you have the passion for the loss that you should have? Oh, my
2: heart today.
3: Hey man.
1: sing as those have gathered around the altar and pray and let's just continue to sing. you for your attentive attention tonight. Take your prayer sheets if you would, and we want to go to the Lord in prayer. We want to pray for our Missionary of the Week, our Church of the Week, and we want to pray for Ted and Lynn Mullins. They serve in Papua New Guinea. So we want to remember them, pray for their ministry and all the needs. You just imagine these missionaries. I've got a list of missionaries that I pray for every day, and just imagine all the needs that they possibly could have, and a lot of them I don't know. Some of them I've never even met. Think about their personal needs, a wife, some of them have young children, the needs of education, and all the things they need on the field, personal needs, ministry needs. I pray that the Lord, and I try to pray for, it. as I pray for our missionaries, I pray that God would just renew their vision and their zeal for what God's called them to do and for what God can do where they're at. But let's just pray for our missionaries, and tonight, Ted and Lynn Mullins, let's remember them and... Then we want to pray for East End Baptist Church. I believe that's the church where Brother Ken is through tonight. Brother uh, Pastor Jimmy Green, we want to pray for that ministry and that church, all the needs that they have. Of course, continue to pray for Carolyn Bokina in Murfreesboro. Uh, pray for Reuben Brock. Has anybody heard any late news about Reuben Brock, about where he is? We try, I've tried to find him all day. I called the hospital, went to the hospital, and they have no records of any kind of surgery. I was told he was having surgery this morning. I don't know if anybody has heard anything. But he was scheduled to have a surgery at 8 o'clock this morning. They were going to go in through and, and uh, I think shock possibly part of his lower, lower part of his heart to get it back in rhythm. But they had no record whatsoever and I couldn't catch him at home. Anyway, l- uh, if you haven't heard anything, let's, let's pray for him and pray for uh, Dora Buckles. This is Janice Delaney and Buddy Woody's uh, aunt. Pray for her. Went to go see her the other day. And all these needs. Let's pray for all these things. anybody have any pressing needs? Something you want the church to know about, you want the church to pray for? Uh, anybody have any kind of need you'd like to, you'd like to vocalize so we could pray, help you pray with? Is there anybody at all has any kind of? Okay. Let's remember this request. Uh, anybody else have any kind of request you'd like the church to remember, to pray for tonight before we go to the Lord in prayer? Anyone at all? Brother Raymond? Okay. Remember, okay, let's remember this request. Brother? Yeah, pray for John Vandegrift, yes. Surgery Monday. Anybody else? Real quick, uh, yes, Mr. Denise. Peter Denise is preaching in, what's the name of the town? Lawrenceville, Georgia. Yeah, let's remember Peter tonight as he's preaching. Brother Bobby? Yeah, remember Brother Bill, Brother Bill Helton. Anyone else? Real quick. Yes, Irene? Yes. okay. Yes, let's remember this request. Anyone else? Anyone else? Eddie? All right. Pray for Eddie. He's got some numbness in his fingers trying to figure out what that's all about. So pray for him. Yes. All right. Let's pray for this request. Pray for the salvation. All right. Let's, uh, whoever can and whoever will, if you would, let's just gather around this altar and let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Let's lift up the knees that's been mentioned. Some for salvation, some for healing. Those in our church body about to face surgery here very, very soon. Let's just remember all of these. And Especially pray for the lost. I've got, I've got a little prayer booklet that I use to pray with every day. And I've got a list in the back of that thing of, of, I think, about 17 or 18, maybe 20 people that I know of that people have asked me to pray for that are lost. And I pray for them. I lift them up every day. But let's pray for the lost. Pray that God would give us a passion for the lost. But let's go to the Lord in prayer. I'll ask Brother Mike West, if you would, if you don't mind, to open us in prayer. And then I'll close.
2: Yes,
3: Yes. Yes,
2: so Yes.
1: Father, we do thank you so much for all that you do. Lord, you are such a wonderful God and we are so thankful for all the things that you do for us. We thank you for this place where we can come and worship. We thank you for our pastor, for the vision that you've given him and pray you would just continue to give him wisdom and guidance as he leads our church. Lord, I pray you would just use him might and even tonight as he preaches, we lift up to you that church there, East End Baptist Church. We pray that you would just light a fire in that church this week because of, the messages that you have done and that the Brother Ken has preached and you have given him. Lord, I pray that you would just, that revival, true and real revival would start in that church. I pray for Brother Green. Lord, I pray that you would just touch him and his ministry. I pray that you would revive his heart, encourage him this week, Father. And I pray that you just use that church to, for, so that many souls would come to know you as a result of that ministry, Lord. And Lord, we do pray for our pastors He. Uh, starts to travel home tomorrow Lord I pray you'll just give him traveling mercies Especially through the snow there Lord I pray you'll just give him safety And then Lord we lift up to you the Mullins family We thank you for them We thank you for men and women That have, have, have given tremendous sacrifice To go to foreign fields And to, to share the gospel with those That haven't heard And Lord I pray that you would just bless Ted and Lynn I pray that you would just use them Oh God I pray that you just meet all their needs what The spiritual needs, the physical needs Lord, I pray that you would just meet them. The ministry needs, Lord, I pray you'll just bless them and use them there. Lord, we pray for those that are in the hospital. We pray for Carolyn, been in the hospital for several weeks now. Lord, I pray that you would just bless her. And Lord, we pray for Reuben and the situation with his heart. Lord, I pray that you would just touch that situation. We know that you are the great physician. We're so thankful that you are. And we lift him up to you as well as Dora Buckles and others that are in the hospital, those that are going to go to the hospital. Lord, we pray that you would just meet each need according to your will. And we thank you of the Thomas family. Sister Gladys Thomas went home to be with you. And we had her funeral on Monday. Lord, we're just so thankful for her faithfulness to you before she was ill and for the impact she made on this church and for her faithfulness to her Sunday school class. And Lord, I pray that you would just bless her family. I pray you'll bless her sons and and all the family members. I pray that you would just strengthen them. I pray that your grace would be abundant to them during this time. And Lord, all the needs that's been mentioned, we just lift them up to you, and we ask you to meet each one according to your perfect will. Father, we do love you. Father, we want you to use this. Lord, help us to keep ourselves clean and holy before you so that you can fill us with your spirit, and you can use us to be a light in this dark world and in our communities and in our neighborhoods. Dear God, give us a passion for the lost. Father, we're so thankful for all that you do. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I thank each of you for coming tonight. Thank you for your attending. It's a good crowd for a Wednesday night. And I appreciate each and every one of you. If I haven't told you lately, I love you. I love you. I love you. You are dismissed. Shake hands and fellowship as you go out. And let's be back in the Lord's house on Sunday expecting a great day.